20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. ever episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman, and I'm going to be uh, walking through this very busy weekend in Packers football. Uh, of course, we had the Jerry Kramer Hall of Fame induction. We had family night. We had a David Bakhtiari injury scare uh, and a whole lot more. So uh, I'm really excited to be able to review the weekend, uh, kind of touch base on what's coming up this weekend, obviously the first preseason game of the year. So we've got a lot to cover. Uh, my name again is Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Sports. Uh, to get kind of some of the housekeeping out of the way, uh, make sure to go and follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You can find us on uh, Google Play. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Tune in. You can ask Alexa to play the Packaday Podcast, and she'll play it for you. Uh, make sure to subscribe, like. If you can comment or review, that'd be amazing as well. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. We've had an amazing first couple weeks of the Packaday Podcast. Uh, we're so excited to be able to bring this to you. We've got a great group of people. That's working on this. So, thank you for all of you who followed along, who've commented, who've given us some amazing feedback. Uh, so, we're excited to, to keep this thing going. Uh, it's almost time for real Packers football preseason this week. Uh, but, but this weekend, again, to kind of start off with the Jerry Kramer induction, uh, anytime you have a, a player going to the Hall of Fame from the Packers, it's always a super big deal. And, and Jerry Kramer is certainly no exception. And this certainly felt like something that was even just a little bit more special because of the circumstances surrounding Kramer. Uh, most importantly, the fact that it looked for a very long time like Kramer wasn't going to get in the Hall of Fame. And this was kind of a grassroots effort from uh, his daughter, as well as kind of a lot of Packers Nation to try to really push to get Jerry Kramer in the Hall of Fame. It was absolutely ridiculous uh, that he wasn't in already. Uh, his accomplishments were insane. Uh, he was with the Packers from 1958 to 1968. He played in 130 total games. He was a two-time Super Bowl champion, a five-time NFL champion, three-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. Uh, he was a member of the NFL's 1960s All-Decade team, and he was actually the last member of that team that was not in the Hall of Fame, or the, the only member not in the Hall of Fame at that point. Uh, so absolutely crazy that he wasn't in. Uh, one of the craziest things uh, of his tenure is he actually had 22 surgeries in his 11 seasons. He touched base a little bit on some of those procedures in the speech that he gave. Actually made 29 field goals, 90 extra points. Of course, he was in the Packers Hall of Fame, uh, was in the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. And now finally, thankfully, uh, he is a member of the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. And it was just really such a cool moment for the Packers organization. Uh, Mike McCarthy actually actually uh, was interviewed uh, after family night, and uh, he had mentioned that before he came on the field, uh, he was, uh, you know, in the locker room watching uh, Kramer give his speech. Uh, so this was just a really incredible moment for for all of the Green Bay Packers, the, the history, the tradition, uh, getting Jerry Kramer into the Hall of Fame is such a big deal, and it was just amazing to see that. Um, always the incredible orator. Uh, Kramer uh, didn't disappoint with his speech. 
Um, NFL fans finally got to experience what Green Bay Packer fans have known for such a long time that <laughs> Jerry Kramer is a gem. He, he's an amazing human being. Uh, he's been such a, a, a proponent of the Green Bay Packers, such a supporter of the Packers and the NFL. Uh, he deserved to be in. And, uh, you know, a couple of the things that he touched on in his speech that I, that I kind of noted, uh, he really uh, hit, hit home when uh, Vince Lombardi was giving him a tough time. He had a false start and a missed block on the offensive line, went back to the locker, thought he might get cut and Vince Lombardi came in and said hey you're going to be one of the best guards in all of the NFL and he was just beaming and he he, kind of instilled with the crowd you know approval and belief are these very two powerful uh, tools that any coach or any parent have that kind of stuck with me he touched base on teamwork a lot and he told this incredible story of uh, how he was coming back from a couple of those surgeries and procedures that I had touched on earlier and uh, how Don Chandler, uh, the kicker, uh, actually uh, helped him do his push-ups, his laps, everything after he was recovering from his surgeries so that uh, uh, Jerry Kramer wouldn't have to do quite as much when he was recovering from all of this. So uh, you just got this great sense of teamwork. You, you got this great sense of how much Vince Lombardi meant uh, to these teams and to the Packers. Um, He quoted William Jennings Bryan, uh, success in life is not so much a matter of chance as it is a matter of choice. We choose to do the right thing and we choose not to do the right thing. Uh, I thought that was very uh, masterful on his end to quote that. And then at the end, uh, just to, to leave everyone with this kind of magical moment, he said, and he was kind of quoting Vince Lombardi here, I believe, a little bit as well. But the only thing left at this time is for you to lead a life of quality and excellence and make this old world a little bit of a better place because you were in it. And then he ended with, you can, if you will, you can, if you will. Uh, it was an awesome moment. Uh, Jerry Kramer, like I said earlier, deserved to be there for a very long time. And it was a very special period uh, to watch him be able to go in and give this speech and have his daughter there. If you haven't had a chance to go watch the speech, definitely go ahead and do so. Uh, it's out on Packers.com. You can find it a variety of different places. But that's uh, a good 20 minutes of your time that you will not regret going out and watching that. So congratulations to Jerry Kramer. Congratulations to uh, his family and those who have been supporting Jerry Kramer getting in the Hall of Fame for such a long time. It was worth the wait. Almost made it a little bit more special because it seemed like it wasn't going to happen for so long. Uh, Speaking of uh, Hall of Fame inductees that seem like they may not happen, I think it's now time uh, to transition officially to Leroy Butler and really focus on getting him in the Hall of Fame. It was great seeing Brian Dawkins get in this weekend. Uh, One of the the great premier safeties, uh, certainly that I've ever had the opportunity to watch play football. Uh, But to have Brian Dawkins in and to not have Leroy Butler in seems uh, not right. It seems like something that needs to get corrected. Uh, Just to kind of run through some of Leroy Butler's accomplishments, or Leroy Butler, I should say, uh, hit from 1990 to 2001, he played with the Packers, 181 total games played, 889 total tackles, 38 interceptions, 20 and a half sacks, was the first defensive back in NFL history to have over 20 interceptions and 20 sacks, caused 13 forced fumbles, Actually had 553 uh, special teams return yards, three defensive touchdowns, of course was a Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, and again, a member in this case of the 1990s All-Decade team, and again, a a Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer as well. Uh, He absolutely needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, That should be uh, every Packer fan's next goal is to get him in the Hall of Fame, and hopefully he's there sooner rather than later, uh, because he's certainly deserving uh, of the recognition, and he's deserving to be a Hall of Fame caliber NFL player. So let's get Leroy Butler in, do whatever you can, uh, write to the NFL, write your Congress man or congresswoman, uh, it's time to get Leroy Butler in the Hall of Fame. 
I think that uh, really brings us then to family night. Of course, the biggest story on family night was David Bakhtiari's injury. Uh, there was certainly a scare. He, he limped off the field. He was then, uh, the, the worst thing you always want to hear is that somebody's carted off and he was carted off the field uh, into the locker room. And uh, there was certainly a, a very high level of concern. David Bakhtiari, in my opinion, is the, the second most important Packer on this roster, second only to Aaron Rodgers. And one of the reasons, of course, he's so important is because he's the protector of the blind side of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but he is uh, such a, a dominant player, the best left, left tackle in football, in my opinion. And to lose him would have been a huge blow to this team. Uh, thankfully, it sounds like uh, David Bakhtiari, the Packers, the Packer fans avoided uh, a serious injury. It sounds like it's a, an ankle sprain, and it sounds like he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season. I'm sure he's going to miss some time in practice, but uh, major, major issue avoided there with him seemingly being okay. Uh, you have to hope now that he doesn't overcompensate when he does come back, uh, maybe put a little bit extra pressure on uh, a different part of that leg or, or maybe more pressure on the other leg or you know something where he ends up hurting something else. It's going to be something worth keeping an eye on going forward. But David Bakhtiari is, again, one of the most important and integral uh, Packers on this team, and he absolutely needs to be healthy for the Packers to be successful. Uh, so thankfully, it looks like they avoided injury. Uh, but there were a lot of different things that stood out to me at family night. I'm going to kind of break them down by you know, position by position a little bit. I'm going to start off right away with quarterback. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story of Tim Boyle. So Tim Boyle to me is, is somebody who stood out. For those of you who don't know, uh, as soon as the undrafted players are announced, I, I go out and I try to find as many clips as I possibly can uh, of these undrafted players and kind of introduce uh, Packers Twitter, if you will, uh, to some of these undrafted free agents. Because as we as Packer fans know, uh, usually about three or four, if not more of these guys end up making the roster every year. If not right out of camp, then they make a practice squad and end up making it later in the year when injuries hit. Uh, but I put together the, the clips of Tim Boyle, and there were some really, really impressive throws uh, on his uh, highlight reel and, and on the tape as a whole. Uh, there, there's uh, a couple plays where he throws deep over the middle. His, his arm is live and active. He's got a very strong arm, tons of arm talent, and uh, that, that's not questionable in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but what was questionable were his statistics coming out. So this is really an incredible story. So he starts his career at UConn, and in his very first season, uh, he completes uh, 59 out of 133 passes at an incredible 44.4% completion percentage clip uh, for 621 yards, zero touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Uh, he follows that season up with 335 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions, and then the following season with 281 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, which means uh, in his career at UConn, he had a total of one touchdown and 13 interceptions. Uh, he never completed uh, over 53% of his passes, uh, so really just did not pan out at UConn at all. So he transfers, uh, goes to Eastern Kentucky, small school. And uh, he has a better season. He, he goes uh, 201 completions on 327 attempts, finally completes uh, barely over 60% of his passes, uh, which is really kind of the Mendoza line of where you want to be. Uh, so he completed 61.5% of his passes for 2,134 yards. But again, 11 touchdowns, obviously a huge uh, increase, but uh, 13 interceptions. Um, so in his career, he never had a season in which he had more touchdowns than interceptions. 
He ends with a 55.5% completion percentage total, 12 touchdowns, and 26 interceptions. So this is not a statistical uh, trend that you would like to see for a quarterback coming onto your roster and going into training camp. He had almost no right even making a, a NFL roster based on his numbers, uh, but he made uh, the, the Packers roster as an undrafted free agent. And uh, it really, it's a testament to the scouting staff. Somebody asked me, how, how could a player with his numbers uh, make an NFL roster as an undrafted free agent? And I responded back on Twitter, and I basically said, scouts scout traits. They're not interested in statistics or numbers, and, and those things can play a part. Uh, but credit Brian Gutekunst as well. Imagine your first year as a GM, and one of your scouts comes to you and says, hey, you know, we want to sign this small school quarterback uh, out of uh, Eastern Kentucky, and, uh, he, you know, he... Uh, through 12 touchdowns, 28 interceptions through the course of his career, under a 60% passer, he, he's who we want to go sign. And, and I can only imagine as a first-year GM, you're like, yeah, that's the guy you want me to sign? I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be laughed out of town by signing that quarterback. Because quarterback's always under a little bit more of a microscope and a little bit more scrutiny. But when I first saw uh, Tim Boyle, I, I saw him at uh, one of the very first mini camps, and I... I Something really stood out to me immediately. He's with the four quarterbacks, Deshaun Kaiser, uh, Brett Hundley, Aaron Rodgers, of course. And they're working on the drill where they, they work on their footwork and they roll out and then they throw a ball into a net and they're obviously trying to complete it. And, and it's, a, it's a footwork drill as well as an accuracy drill. And the the throws didn't even matter to me. In fact, I don't know if any of the four were really hitting the net exactly, including Rodgers. I started by wanting to ro- watch how Rodgers' arm strength was doing because it was the first time I got to see him really since his injury and uh, wanted to see Kaiser as well. And the thing that stood out to me uh, immediately about Tim Boyle is here's this guy who, again, from a small school, had no right really being here. And he's kind of got this Brett Favre-esque swagger to him. He was confident. He was cool. He was, uh, you know, he was jovial. He he was kind of the one that was kind of goofing around with the other quarterbacks to, in, a, in an appropriate measure. It just stood out to me that he had this calmness and confidence as this undrafted small school free agent with Aaron Rodgers, the greatest quarterback of all time, standing next to him. And he just went out and he performed and it didn't look like anything out of the ordinary to him. And again, I, I didn't, I wasn't charting his passes or seeing how he completed anything, but it stood out to me. In fact, I was on the radio with John Papadopoulos uh, and ESPN and lacrosse uh, that week. And I said the same thing to him. I said, it stood out to me how confident he was. And it was like, he was there to earn a spot and he didn't care uh, that, you know, these two quarterbacks who started last year, uh, a ton of games, Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser, and the greatest quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers were in front of him. He was going to go out and he was going to earn a job. There was just a swagger to him. And I appreciated that. So then I come back a couple weeks later, it's OTAs now, and I'm watching him closely. I'm watching all the quarterbacks. The veterans are out. So Aaron Rodgers is gone this day. And Hunley and Kaiser were borderline brutal. They, they weren't having a good day at all. They couldn't move the offense. There was no rhythm. And in comes Tim Boyle, and he has a day. He was absolutely on fire. I mean, the ball was not hitting the ground. He threw this beautiful post route for a touchdown to Jamon Moore that stood out immediately. Tons of zip on the ball. Again, the ball wasn't hitting the ground. Completion after completion after completion. And, and he was unequivocally having the best day of these three quarterbacks that were there, which is just shocking. And I uh, am watching it. And finally, it's it's the last play 
uh, of practice. It ends up being the last play of practice, and he's driving the the team down the field. And they're I don't know if they're running two minutes or, or move the ball or whatever the case that it was. But he ends up throwing a uh, a pass, and I'm I'm waiting on bated breath. I'm sure nobody else in the in the stands. It was pretty lightly attended practice with all the veterans gone. Uh, I'm sure nobody else knows that Tim Boyle is just having this amazing day. And I'm waiting and, and he completes another pass complete in the back of the end zone, except unfortunately it was to defender in safety, Raven Green. And he ended the day with an interception. So it kind of came back to life, but it wasn't anything to take away from this incredible day that he had. So then I uh, come back for training camp, and actually at this point, Tom Silverstein had reported that Boyle had looked really good in camp. I come back, and uh, he was actually the third quarterback to get reps uh, ahead of Deshaun Kaiser, and he had another really nice day. Nothing that stood out like that day uh, on OTAs, but he had another really nice day, slinging the ball around again, uh, you know, very accurate with the football, which again was shocking based on his college numbers. And then uh, comes family night, and they're doing the the fade drill where they're trying to throw a ball into the back corner into these nets. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is famous for you know hitting a couple of these and having some highlight videos out. Rodgers hit one, and then who comes back and hits another? Tim Boyle. And then practice starts, and Rodgers gets reps with the ones, and then the next quarterback to get in was Tim Boyle ahead of Hunley, ahead of Kaiser. So this is really a fantastic story. And by the way, he comes in and he throws an absolute dime off his back foot to Jamon Moore, uh, who unfortunately dropped the pass. But it's just just another incredible throw. Comes back and throws to Moore again. Uh, Probably wasn't the best read on the play. He probably could have uh, maybe went somewhere else with the ball, but he put the ball where only Jamon Moore could come down with it. It was an incredibly difficult throw and catch, but he put it where only Jamon Moore could get it. Unfortunately, he couldn't come down with it, but it was another really impressive throw. So he continues to be someone who impresses and somebody that's really going to be worth keeping an eye on going forward. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser really struggled, had a couple plays where he was really flat-footed in the pocket, made his initial read, it wasn't there, and then the, the feet just died, kind of panic set in and threw incomplete. He was he was just inconsistent all day, and it's, it's time to start worrying a little bit about Deshaun Kaiser and who this backup quarterback is going to be, as much as uh, I just went uh, and kind of waxed poetic about uh, Tim Boyle there for a while. You know, it's still a long shot that he makes this team, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Kaiser being unimpressive. Will they give up on him after, you know, trading Demarius Randall for him uh, this early? How do they feel about Hunley and, and how do they feel about Tim Boyle? So things to keep an eye on going forward. Wide receiver, uh, Jamon Moore and uh, MVS, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling were uh, very Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, some really nice plays, uh, but also some drops. Uh, Valdez Scantling just flashes so much potential, but he's got to learn to to really hang on to the football. Really, same thing for Jamon Moore. Jamon Moore is going to make this team. He's not going anywhere. Uh, but MVS, I, I can't imagine the Packers cutting someone with that much potential. Uh, but Equinemius St. Brown, he had a really nice practice, was all over the field, and it seemed like any time he was on the field uh, and whoever was quarterbacking for the Packers was consistently looking his way. And then, of course, the darling of camp so far, Jake Kumaro. This is somebody that's really taken the the Packers and training camp by storm. Uh, He is uh, 26 years old, uh, spent some time on the practice squad with the Bengals, practice squad with the Patriots, and then uh, was signed late last year with the Packers. 
Uh, he is running some incredibly crisp and consistent routes. He's constantly getting open. He's been open uh, in training camp. He's getting work with the ones. And uh, he's obviously caught in the eye of Aaron Rodgers who went out of his way to talk about Kumaro as well. So uh, this is a really interesting uh, breakdown at the receiver position. Kumaro's 26. He's the oldest of the group. Uh, he's got a one-year contract left, whereas uh, you know Trevor Davis has two years. The rookies all have four years. So this is a really interesting camp battle to keep an eye on. There's going to be some really good receivers who get cut. So a position that continues to impress. And, uh, you know, Zach Cruz made a really good point the other day that this is really a time where receivers tend to shine. We've seen the Max McCaffrey's, the DeAndre Burrell's, the Tory Gurley's. Uh, there have been so many camp darlings at receiver over the year that it's almost tough to keep track of. Uh, but it, it does seem that Jay Kumaro uh, is maybe a step above those other receivers. And, and then these uh, young receivers are, are chock full of potential. So something, again, to keep an eye on. The next thing that stood out to me was the offensive line. We got great news this week that Brian Bulaga is back. He's practicing. He's off the pup list. Uh, David Bakhtiar, we had the injury scare, but it sounds like he's going to be okay, as we touched on earlier. But the rest of those offensive tackles, this was a brutal day. Uh, going back to when I was at training camp uh, earlier last week, uh, Jason Spriggs gets another opportunity to run with the ones. Very first play of training camp, very first play of practice of this training camp period, I should say. Uh, he jumps off sides and he gets taken out of the game. And then uh, he, he has a snap uh, this game where, you know, he's lined up outside. Reggie Gilbert's got to go all the way around, and he just doesn't even get a hand on Reggie Gilbert. It's a poor effort. It's a lack of concentration. It's a lack of fundamentals. Uh, I, I've, for any of those, uh, any of you who have listened to me consistently, uh, whether it be on the radio or, or through these podcasts now, I, I tend to lean positive with players. I tend to look at the upside. I, I've got nothing left good to say about Jason Spriggs. It, it's time to move on. He's not going to be a capable offensive lineman for Green Bay. This is not a scenario where it's like Devontae Adams where he had a rough second year and he's about to break out. He is not a good, capable football player, and it's time to move on. And unfortunately, Kyle Murphy and Byron Bell, the other top two backup tackles on the roster, also had really rough days. Now, to be fair, Kyle Murphy struggled at left tackle, which he shouldn't be playing. He went in when Bakhtiari got hurt, but uh, Murphy struggled as well, and Byron Bell gave up a really easy pressure. I forget who it was to off the top of my head. Uh, and then the next play, he, he uh, had a lapse where he let his guy come free and, and didn't pick up the guy that he was supposed to. So really rough day for the offensive line. And Dylan Day was another player who, who really struggled, gave up some pressure to Montrevious Adams, and then uh, came back with a, a holding penalty after that. So not a great day for the offensive line. Uh, but thankfully, the starters continue to look good. But the depth is something really to be worried about. MVP of the day uh, or of, of uh, family night was Montrevious Adams. He was unblockable. Uh, there were three, four, five pressures. Uh, three of them were legit big-time pressures that probably would have ended in sacks uh, had uh, sacks been allowed in this in this practice. But he looked absolutely unstoppable. Totally different player from a year ago. I probably shouldn't even say this, but I was not high on him coming out of college. Was very inconsistent. Had some injuries. Then started off injured last year in camp. Never really bounced back. I, I graded him uh, as the lowest graded player on a person at basis from uh, uh, anyone on defense last year. And then he comes out in, in camp, he's looked good. In practices, he's looked good. And then this was another time for him to shine. He was unequivocally the MVP of family night and someone that is going to be worth monitoring as the season progresses and, and certainly as preseason progresses. 
Uh, edge rushers, Clay Matthews looked really good. You know, this is the time of season he always looked good before uh, sometimes those injuries set in, but he looked explosive, really liked the way that Mike Patton was using him. Reggie Gilbert was another player who stood out. Uh, corners were up and down. Uh, I thought Josh Jackson had his best performance of the, the camp uh, and, and the practices that I've seen. And uh, Jair Alexander up and down had a, a couple nice plays, but got beat on a couple as well. Herb Waters had the play of the day from a cornerback standpoint, made a really nice jump on the ball uh, and had a, a pass breakup. Uh, and then really the other highlight was J.K. Scott, who continues to just put on a phenomenal performance throughout camp and, and uh, family night as well. So overall, I thought uh, it was a productive night. They ended practice a little bit earlier with some uh, storms rolling in, but uh, overall productive. Uh, the receivers look good. Um, again, Tim Boyle looked very good, and Montrevious Adams was unquestionably the MVP of the night. Uh, that's it kind of for the, the main news from, from family night and practice. Uh, two other items I, I did want to touch on. Uh, Jamie Snowden, who is a writer for Cheesehead TV, uh, an adamant Packer fan, uh, really a piece of tragic news, and it's honestly going to be really tough even for me to read this, but um, her, her daughter passed away this week. Um, I'm just going to read exactly what was on uh, the GoFundMe page. Uh, Our dear friend Jamie and her husband Brian have suffered a loss no parent should ever have to endure. On Tuesday, July 31st, their nine-month-old daughter Miley stopped breathing in her sleep at daycare, causing her brain to be deprived of oxygen. Sadly, on August 2nd at noon, medical staff conducted a brain activity test and the results were consistent with brain death. Uh, They made the most difficult decision one could ever face and withdrew her care last night, August 2nd at 8.30 p.m. At 9.52 p.m., Miley passed away in her mother Jamie's arms. Jamie is one of the most kind, compassionate people in the world, and she would do anything for her family and friends, so we want to do the same for her. We are hoping to raise funds to help her with the cost of funeral expenses and with anything left over going to the medical bills they will be getting in the future. Please help in any way you can. If you can't donate money, in the spirit of Miley, do something good for another person. Do a random act of kindness, pet a dog, buy coffee for a stranger, If you are not yet registered, become an organ donor like Miley was. Miley Francis Snowden, October 18th, 2017 to August 2nd, 2018. The reason I'm uh, bringing that up is because there is a GoFundMe page. Um, Jamie is, uh, like I said, a a huge member of the Packer family, Packer fan family. And uh, I've never actually met Jamie personally, but I've interacted with her on social media multiple times. We both write for Cheesehead TV. And my heart just is absolutely broken for her and her family. Um, she's an absolutely beautiful daughter, and uh, to lose her in that in that way is just absolutely devastating. So, uh, Jamie, our, our our prayers, our thoughts, uh, everything is with you. Um, you know, if there's ever anything that we can do, you know, let all of the Packer family, uh, all of us know, and, and we're happy to help in any way that we can. Um, if you are interested in donating, uh, there is a GoFundMe page that is available. Um, it is GoFundMe.com slash Miley, M-Y-L-E-E hyphen Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S hyphen Snowden, S-N-O-W-D-E-N hyphen Memorial, M-E-M-O-R-I-A-L hyphen Fund, F-U-N-D. Um, I know that's a lot to take in uh, with that, that uh, 
URL. So I will be uh, placing that uh, in the Cheesehead TV post. It's, it is on Cheesehead TV already. And then I'll also be retweeting it from uh, the um, Pack-A-Day podcast Twitter account. But if you can uh, contribute in any way that you can, that'd be amazing. Uh, it's really been an incredible thing to see how many people from the uh, the Packer fan family have reached out to, to help Jamie with this in this incredibly difficult time. So thank you for any help that you can provide, even if it's just prayers or, again, doing an act of kindness for somebody else. And then lastly, uh, on a, a bit of a more positive note, uh, congratulations uh, to Packaday podcast owned Ross Uglum, who was married over this weekend. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, shout him out, give him a congratulations. Um, we are uh, incredibly happy for Ross and his wife. Uh, so congratulations, Ross. Uh, we hope you had an amazing weekend. Now get back to writing and podcasting. There are more important things. With that, uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, we appreciate uh, all of our listeners uh, and, and go out and promote in any way that you can. Uh, go out, uh, if you can, and go uh, to the GoFundMe page uh, for Jamie and uh, the Miley Francis Snowden Fund. Um, God bless Jamie, and uh, thank you so much, everyone, again, for listening. Go Packers. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside of the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! at the back to Adams. Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone! Rodgers from the 42 New York, fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, scrambles right. Now, winds up. 